You are listening to From the Midwest to the Middle East, the latest on U.S. tax, Israeli economy, and lots of in-between. Interviewing Israeli and international experts. Welcome to our podcast. I am Philip Stein, president of Philip Stein & Associates. Hi, good evening, good afternoon. I'm pleased again to have Stuart Shabbos in my office to discuss uh, the issues of the day, tax issues, and particularly where we're headed, uh, where we've been and where we're headed in terms of the overseas uh, voluntary disclosure program. Stuart, thanks for coming in again. Good it's always, good, it's always good to see you. Uh, I'd like to say 2011 was a very interesting year. We started, as I recall, back in February with, uh, I guess I'd call it OVDI-2. Uh, then in June, we were introduced to, I guess, OVDI-2A. We thought we were going to be finished at the end of the summer in August. Uh, Hurricane Irene gave us a little extra time in September. And uh, due to the IRS's acknowledgement how difficult the process is, to participate in the OVDI, uh, we find ourselves that we're a week away from finally closing the 2011 chapter of OVDI. So I, I think my first question to you is, uh, do you think we are at a closing chapter, or is there going to be an OVDI 3? Uh, what's your outlook for 212? Well, let me go back a step, if I can, to answer that. Uh, some of the best movie series that have been ever for, uh, that have ever been developed have had more than one, let alone two sequels. So I would su suggest that overall, according to the IRS's published numbers, the OVDI program number one, which was originated and initiated in 2009, had a little bit more than I believe approximately 18,000 um, applicants. OVDI-2, the ones that we're currently dealing with, had a little bit more than 12,000. But there are many people that are now coming out and saying, what about me? And I know that I've had to deal with numerous inquiries, and my guess is, is that will only increase. And perhaps, uh, Philip, in your arena, you know, being in Israel, coupled with the fact that now the Israeli tax authorities have introduced their own offshore voluntary disclosure initiative. So it could be that that in and of itself will further heighten the awareness. What does that all mean and what do we anticipate? That's very, very hard. I wish I had the crystal ball vision going forward. One thing that's clear, though, is the fact that voluntary disclosure has always been permitted. It just didn't have the formal structure that you currently have had in place. And my guess is, is that they will still entertain new applicants. But, as was the case with the prior comparison between OVDI-1 and OVDI-2, OVDI-2 was not as favorable. Except for that new provision that they included for the foreign residents. And I think that's really the area that has the most potential, which is, is that what happens, for example, if you have a person 
who really didn't know about the voluntary disclosure, doesn't speak English well, was only a U.S. citizen, or is only a U.S. citizen, by virtue of the fact that they were born in the United States because their parents were there on a uh, student visa. But other than that, they probably don't even speak English. And now, all of a sudden, they found out about it. Should that be held against them? So it's an unknown result in terms of what is it that the IRS will be doing with these people. But there's the, obliga the obligation still remains that as long as a person is a U.S. citizen and they have to report worldwide income in the United States subject to the foreign locales credits. So I know it's a long-winded answer. No, I, I, I understand. I, I think one of the questions that people are still on the street, clients of mine, people who didn't choose to be participate in OVDI 1 or 2 is saying, wait a second, OVD, OVDI 2 was pretty attractive uh, for someone who was compliant, let's say here in Israel or in a, some other country. We hear a lot of written about Canada and, and some of the European where there's a lot of U.S. citizens. Um, but having said that, is it surprising that the IRS isn't willing to sort of establish one path for foreign residents, one path for U.S. citizens, U.S. residents who have really been hiding money outside and just have a separate you know, path that they can choose that could be permanently established? Because we've returned to uncertainty again. That, that is correct, and that's exactly the problem. I think that the IRS hasn't addressed that important issue because they wanted to close up OVDI too. And truth be told, many of the cases that in OVDI too aren't going to be actually worked for perhaps a year or so, mm -hmm. which is consistent with the time element that's been applicable to the OVDI-1, let alone those that were filed in between the formal uh, introduction of OVDI-2, meaning, for example, those who came in last fall, 2010. So those cases, a lot of them are only being worked now. So it's very possible that there may be another lag period, well into perhaps 2013, because don't forget, next year is a major presidential election year in the United States and the willingness to introduce a whole new set of new tax laws, let alone new programs, may be not as assertive. But on the other hand, it, part of it may be driven by the focus of the Internal Revenue Service and whether they believe that there is enough of an outcry from foreign residents who say legitimately, and, and that they're acting reasonably, they, they never knew anything about this. So I guess the point becomes one of you can remain hopeful for those opportunities, but the real problem is, is that what does a taxpayer who lives overseas do? Clearly, once you know that there's an obligation, you have to at least file prospectively. And not only that is, is that a U.S. accountant can't prepare a tax return prospectively for a foreign resident who happens to be a U.S. citizen or a green card holder unless they are compliant from, from, the, from that year onward. So I think part of this is an education process. The biggest downside is, is that there is no certainty. 
And that's where the risk tolerance of the taxpayer's psyche will come into play. Because as we all know, everybody wants to know what's the rules, what's the certainty. And I don't think in the short term we're going to get the understanding from the IRS because they're going to say, wait a minute, we had this most wonderful program in place. Why didn't you take advantage? Right. So those people, and again, and this is, I'm, I'm, I'm referring to in two days, or really, in fact, it was, is, let's say, September 9th when the door was closed, participating. Let's call them a fence sitter. Let's call them, they're peering over the fence. Let's say they haven't even walked up to the fence. There is something looming. It's called FATCA. Uh, presumably, it is supposed to get foreign banks, financial institutions, to start reporting to the IRS, giving data about their account holders who are U.S. citizens. I think it's ideally supposed to be something similar to the 1099 type of reporting. Uh, it would seem theoretically that there could be in the near future, so the, the FATCA could push people over the fence, okay? Uh, it does seem quite ambitious as someone who's been practicing outside of the country for over 30 years, but it is, that is Congress's plan. That is what they've mandated. Uh, I guess the Internal Revenue Service, Treasury, and foreign banks need to implement this. Uh, I think you and I have been in practice a long time. There's probably a a likelihood that there may be some delays. Uh, what what what's your thoughts in terms of where what how FATCA might affect these as I call them fence sitters? I think much of that will be dictated by the the draft or the perhaps the uh, proposed regulations that are supposed to be out before the end of 2011 or essentially within the next month. Um, my guess is that they will probably be, you know, uh, it, it gives some insight, but at the other hand, perhaps because there is a tremendous amount of pushback, um, not because they don't want to necessarily comply with the disclosure aspect, it's just that the systems need to be developed to be able to implement that level of compliance. But I think the real focus is on the fact that short term, what's happening now is that many financial institutions around the world are mandating and requiring that their account holders make a declaration of where they are citizens from. And if they are U.S. citizens, then to insist that they file a Form W-9, which of course has to state who is the account holder and the Social Security number and, of course, how they're connected to the United States. And I think that would be the impetus because those forms arguably would be filed with the Internal Revenue Service. Right. Okay, let me, let me ask you in a little different direction. Uh, let's take our typical a client who went through OVDI, brought themselves up to compliance, paid fines, presumably paid tax, paid penalties, and... Uh, now they say, you know what, Stuart, I, did, I didn't know I had to be paying all these taxes. I was willing to do whatever it was to not be held criminally liable. But you know what, I see it's not worth being a U.S. citizen. I really don't want to do this every year, file the returns. I have no connection to the United States. 
I certainly, the money that I've worked so hard for, I don't want to give pay in estate tax. Uh, I have children, I have grandchildren who have no connection to the United States. Uh, I want to expatriate. Uh, the, the, the articles I see, the numbers are growing. There's never been so many people. It's still not a, it's not a wave. It's, we're not talking about tens of thousands of people, but presumably high net worth individuals are view, looking at this. Uh, do you see this as something that we're, a, a, a phenomenon that we're going to be dealing with more? And, you know, what's your thoughts? So I, I think there's definitely has been and will be an uptick in the, uh, if you will, cutting of the streams with the United States. Um, I think perhaps government officials will say, well, listen, you should view it as a privilege to be part of the United States, be a U.S. citizen, but you have to understand there's benefits and there's burdens that mm -hmm. are associated with it. Not unreasonable, at least from their perspective. I think that, yes, at least short-term-wise, because the effect of the amount of dollars and time that's been consumed and will be consumed in the future compliance may be perhaps too overwhelming for some individuals, but it's a case-by-case -case basis. And I think the real issue then becomes one of, there is an exit tax, yes, Maybe all the returns have been filed, or hopefully so, for the last uh, seven, eight years, at least as part of the OBDI program. But decoupling oneself from the U.S. may be an expensive venture. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, well, in our few minutes remaining, I'd like to also ask you about something else. We live in the computer age. We're used to filing our returns. I think we have people, younger people in the profession don't even remember how to, that they're once filed tax returns by hand or filled out uh, withholding forms by hand. We're very computerized. We submit our returns for the most part by internet, by computer. Uh, and things are becoming more mechanized. On the other hand, there is still a human element in filing one taxes, especially if there are problems, if there are audits. The current administration, the current government, there is budgetary problems. We hear about cuts, we hear about mandatory cuts. It does seem that the governmental offices are under some pressure to hold their budgets or even cut their budgets, which means people. You're, you're going to have less people, you're not going to have less computers. How, how do you see, from your practicing in the States as a tax attorney today, dealing with the IRS as maybe as opposed to five or ten years ago? We, ha we have a phrase in our office that, uh, in essence, every day is a new adventure, especially when, we, when you deal with the Internal Revenue Service. And I think the real challenge and the real value that can be added, at least from my perspective, my humble perspective, is that underneath it all, they have a heart. But they're under enormous pressures. And it takes a lot of patience to be able to get them to care about a case. And that's the job of a good professional, is to try to take the sterile number and make the case really, and make it much more of a personal situation, especially as it relates to a penalty. I mean, for example, Philip, I am sure you've seen this with your clients, there have been countless numbers of people that are still getting 
penalty notices for late filing of forms like a 5471, mm -hmm. and yet even though they've technically been included in the program, the notices are still coming. And the taxpayers are livid because they're saying to the representatives, you promised me that they weren't going to have this problem. Well, part of that is because of technological glitches and a lack of coordination with the IRS. So from our perspective, we strongly suggest and try to educate our clients that as technology advances, there is a lag period. But at the same time, remember that the person at the end of the phone is still a human. And they're under enormous pressures too. That's that's very interesting perspective. I, I'm thinking, uh, again, going back a little into ancient history of the retail world in the United States, there was a time that I think the biggest retail was Sears. Sears, I think, is still there, but they've been eclipsed by Walmart, Target, JCPenney, etc. Well, one of the attractive things I remember my, my father, why he went to Sears, is because you could go in and there was a salesperson who knew the merchandise. They knew the tools, they knew the tires, they knew the refrigerators. I understand what you're saying, there's a lag, and it's more, we've, we live in a more complicated world, but you find the people, the people that work at the IRS know their material, have the same training as the veterans that maybe used to deal with five, ten years ago, or people that were really career IRS people? Uh, that's a, uh, I said, let, me, let me answer it this way. The politically correct answer is, we'd like to think so, but at the same time, with technology being so fast-paced, oftentimes representatives, practitioners, find out about new rules, new procedural um, aspects that are taxpayer favorite, to, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, useful, but yet the IRS rank and file do not know anything about it. Mm -hmm. So part of it is an awareness that this is happening an awful lot, increasingly so, and having much more of a patient opportunity, and also trying to get the cases worked by local people. I mean, that is a challenge in and of itself. But at the same time, realizing that just because you hear the answer no, doesn't mean that you can't ask to speak to a supervisor. Doesn't mean you can't ask to speak to that supervisor. supervisor. Again, this is not on an everyday basis, but there are those cases that cry out for it. But part of it is also the approach that you take. Because there's got to be honesty, there's got to be sincerity and credibility but at the same time, also trying to properly represent the client and the client's perspective and trying to make all of that mesh with the IRS. And part of the problem is, is that you'd like to get taxpayers to get the, uh, you know, the more advantageous treatment where possible. We're not talking about abusive situations. It's just a little bit more of an understanding. You know, it's no different than uh, a parent with a child. The child may be asking for certain things, and the question is, is the parent really want to say yes and no? You know, thank God we're all privileged to, some of us have larger families, and the kids sometimes will ask for something, we may not have the patience. Mm -hmm. So it's to be able to deal right, with that's, everything. That's a very good uh, perspective and uh, very interesting. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know we're a week away from uh, 
that December 9th deadline, uh, which is looming, and uh, I think we'll all party. Would you say? I, I, I think we all deserve a nice uh, party at uh, maybe December 10th, or I, I sort of feel the month of January may be really <laughs> where we can relax. But I thank you for coming in, thank and you very we much. look forward to your next visit, and we'll see what the IRS has uh, got up their sleeve for 2012. Thanks thank so you. much for coming in, Stuart. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. Feel free to visit us at www.peacestein.com or look for Philip Stein Associates on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Goodbye. Shut down, I let them